welcome, welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo. So excited that you're here to listen to my conversation with my pal. You got him, Joshua Mitchell. We're talking about trends you need to know about in 2021. Oh, man. Right out of the gate. Did you know that you and I have... 1,000 Facebook friends in common. They're all auto industry people, I'm sure. All auto <laughs> industry people. And my, my question is, do you know these people? You know, it's funny because you say that because I was in uh, Las Vegas uh, for NADA and some random uh, guy comes up to me. He's Facebook friends with me. I have no clue who the guy is. And he's like, hey, Josh, I've been watching your stuff for years. I'm just so glad to meet you finally. And I'm like, this is the, it's, uh, you know, Joe Webb and I talk about this where we're auto famous. Right. Like we're only famous in the auto industry. No one else knows who the hell we are. But um, that was my moment. That's my claim to fame right there is when someone randomly uh, comes up to me in Vegas and knows who I am and I have no clue. Yeah. I felt that way when you came up to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um i i totally get it though it reminds me of that comedian chris delia you know that have you ever heard of that guy Mm -hmm. and he used to just torch internet influencers because he'd be like oh hey internet influencer i'm regular famous (laughs) you're internet famous i'm regular famous it's funny though i mean how big the automotive industry is and yet how small it is like small world somehow a very small world it's like seven degrees of kevin bacon we all yeah. are connected somehow uh, if you had to say we're we're all commonly connected through one person who who do you think that would be we're all for yeah. our industry yeah i'm like right the first name that came to the top of my head was ralph paglia See, i don't even know who that is say crazy crazy that's amazing um, but that's, you know, for me, it'd be like Frank Lopes because Frank, Frank Lopes, and I, okay. you know, he's kind of like our 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 influence and, and kind of who he's introduced me to. It's kind of got it. I guess it has a lot to of people originated from that person. Yeah, it's totally like timeline, wouldn't you? So let, let me because we I didn't I didn't ask you here to talk to you about who you know in the industry. We just sit here for an hour picking up all the names we're dropping. <laughs> um. It is funny, though. It's a weird phenomenon. Like, you know, I'm sensitive to the fact that people obviously are listening to your show. They're listening to my show. People go to your events. They're following you on social. For the wrong individual, maybe that's not the right way to say it, but for the wrong individual, you it would be so easy to get so caught up in your head and be like, man, I am God's gift to the automotive industry. It's very easy to... You know, you have the humility. I uh, I am a very confident guy, yep. but I'm also very hu- uh, uh, I have a lot of humility. Like I, I I am blessed that I've had this opportunity. If you told me, you know, I've 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 been with my wife for a long, long, long time. You know, when we first got together, um, and we're talking a long time ago, guys. I'm 38. We've been together since I was 19. Wow. And so. Um, but if you told me that I would, I would step on stage and talk in events, if you had told me that I would be on a show like this, if you told me that back then, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, cause I'm very, uh, to myself kind of guy. Right. Um, I'm not a, 
you know, I'm very much an introvert, um, but I, I try to, you know, when I go to events and a lot of things, I, I put myself out there. Uh, but it's not natural for me to to be that guy. So if you had told me that a long time ago, I would have told you you were crazy because that's just not that's not who the, who I am. I'm usually to myself. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing because through my career, you know, I've changed from from being in the mortgage business to being in automotive. Um, you know, I I never I never thought the automotive space was going to be where I was going to be. You know, I think with a lot of people who get into automotive, it's it's um, everything else failed. So let's try this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, let's give it a stab. Um, but in 2011, I gave it that stab and it, it kind of hooked me. Um, and so it's just one of those industries that now, um, you know, when you're, when you go through this industry and you're like, all right, this is it. You find those things that you're going to, to kind of be aggressive about finding what's wrong with our industry. And that's kind of been, what I've, my passion has been is going, okay, um, I love this industry. I'm going to leave my mark on this industry in some way. Um, and these things, in my opinion, are broken and I'm going to go after them because I'm not a car guy. Right. I'm, not, I'm just, I'm not a, a typical, what you would find to be a car guy. And it's okay with me. I don't want to be a car guy. I could be a car geek, whatever you want to call me. Um, I'm not that, I'm not your typical uh, car guy, you know, Alex Flores, uh, I work for Capital Chevy and Alex Flores, he told me, he was like, you're not a car guy. And I was like, I'm a, I don't, I don't want to be a car guy. He's like, why? I was like, cause it's just a negative. I take that as a negative. I, I'm glad you don't think I'm a car guy. So, yeah. And well, and you know what I love about that is as I've looked and, and, you know, followed what you do, there's also something that's not typical about you. You don't just bring up the problems for the sake of bringing up the problems. There are way too many people in this industry that just speak to the problem and they never get past it. They never share. And here's what you can do about it. And you're very much like, no, hey, I'm going to do an event. I'm going to have a podcast. I'm going to do these things and I'm going to share what's beyond that. And I don't, and and certainly that's not typical. And 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 I think that's one of the things that I wanted to have you on the show but first, I, I want to talk. You said mortgage. You were in the mortgage business. Yes, I was. And so now I'm curious. I usually tell people, uh, you know, I was in the uh, uh, for eight years. I was in prison, but no, I was in the mortgage <laughs> business. No prison time. <laughs> Not a typical guard guy. Um, what was it that made you like? How did you get attracted in? You said 2011. You got in and and it hooked you. But I guess. What specifically do you feel like hooked you into it? Um, you know, you know, obviously I got out because you know the mortgage imploded, like the the whole right. industry imploded. We had, you know, the worst recession that we've ever had um, in my generation from from that point. Um, but you know, what hooked me is I I got into the internet department or a BDC. So I was at Dan Cummins Chevrolet was selling cars alongside with Glenn Lundy, you know, Glenn and I were, were really good friends because um, we worked together from 2017 to uh, 2011 to 2017. And, um, you know, when I, when I started there, he was not the GM of Dan Cummins Chevrolet. He was a car salesman for Dan Cummins Chevrolet. And so we worked uh, throughout our career there and moved up the ranks um, when it was part of that amazing uh, journey that we had there. Um but I got into the internet department. I think that's where I found my niche. 
Um, it, it was kind of my specialty. It's my, you know, I'm pretty much a Superman when it comes to getting on the phones and, and talking to customers, uh, internet, you know, inquiries and, and just kind of looking at the process and how, cause that's early in my, in my opinion, it's early, you know, adoption to the internet for, for car business, um, where we were really, really starting to rock and roll. And, um, just kind of found my niche. Um, it, it was something that I was passionate about, that I was driven about. And I knew that um, for whatever reason, maybe it's God speaking to me, I guess I just found this way um, that that my passion, um, what I felt um, was good for the consumer or was good for my team, you know, it just kind of, it just poured right into me and, and I just, I just ran with it. Right. Now it I'm was curious. by accident. I didn't think I was going to be in the car business forever. It was right. an accident, yeah. but it just kind of happened. Which I think is so cool because it proves that this doesn't have to be a dead end industry and it doesn't have to have the stigma that it still, for some reason, perpetually has, right? Kind of this bottom feeding, blood sucking, whatever you want to call it, high, high stakes industry. I love the fact that you came in by accident, which is the same entry point. I think that a lot of people get into it, but to your point, I also like, this brings me back to a conversation I had with, uh, with Grant, um, Cardone, and it was all about why do people hate their job? And ultimately, I guess it just kind of boiled down to the fact that they suck at it, but that they don't have to suck at it, that there can be creativity and innovation and, finding to your point, a niche whereby you can actually love it. I think about my career journey, man, like there were moments where I dreaded showing up to work and then something shifts and you start to get a passionate about something or you start to really buy into something. And all of a sudden your creative juices start flowing. And then here you go, you know, 22 years later and, and I'm in love with it. And I love what I do and, and it's so fulfilling. So it kind of sounds like that was the same thing that happened with you. I'm also really curious to know, cause I had no clue that you and Glenn had worked together. I don't know why I, <laughs> I never connected that, that on top. some people and they're like, I didn't even know. I, I oh, had yeah, no clue. Up. So yeah, we, um, I started, he started in, uh, I guess it was, uh, late December, early January. I think he started January of 2011. Uh, I started May 15th, 2011. And, um, you know, he was, he was selling cars and, you know, goofy, goofy old Glenn at that point. And then, well, nothing's uh, changed. No, nothing's <laughs> changed. <laughs> He's now and, goofy, slightly older Glenn. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> he became a sales manager. I moved up in the internet department. We actually, this was back before, uh, Dan Cummins went through their whole entire, you know, the GM Chevrolet, uh, renovation. Right. Um, and so we were up on the desk together. I was sitting right next to him as a, as an internet, uh, BDC guy, uh, sales manager, sales manager. And, and then we had another BDC rep with Debbie and, um, yeah, we just, we just, it, it was, it was amazing time. Then we we're selling it. When we started there, it was like 135 units. Um, when I left, it was right at 900 units. They ended wow. up, finally pushing off to a thousand units. And, and now Josh has taken, you know, one point to three points. Um, and so it was an amazing journey. It was fun, you know, to, just to see that, that increase in sales and, and, 
you know, the biggest thing that most people don't realize is that it wasn't, it was about the journey there, but it was about the culture we built and changing lives for people. You know, I had BDC reps that, you know, with Debbie that I worked with, this is a girl who was working for a nursing home, not doing the best of jobs, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you can catch my drift, I'm not going to say it, but not doing the best of jobs at a nursing home to making a six figure income. That's change. That's life changing. And being able to do that multiple times, um, there was that that's that's the biggest thing that I can tell you was for me the biggest thing that I loved about that place and and what I do anyways uh, from going from there to other places is it's not about yeah it's great the money's great it's not about that at all it's about impacting people's lives um, in a way that most most people don't don't get that far into their leadership to I mean just change someone's life. I love that this is the experience you can speak to firsthand because I think a lot of times culture is this pie in the sky that nobody knows how to do anything with. Pre-show, I was mentioning, you know, a buddy of mine who's working in a dealership who has all these passions, these ambitions, and he is bottling them up because he's afraid that if the owner of his store thinks that these passions conflict, that he's out. And there's still so much of that culture that exists. And, and I think it's important for everybody to understand that a bad culture is still a culture. We're not just saying you don't have a culture and that you should have a good culture. We're saying you do have a culture currently. And if it sucks, you need to start understanding the impact of that. I mean, I want to circle back to you said, I'm not a typical, I'm not a car guy. Do you think that was in some way shaped because of this experience you had at uh, Dan Cummins? Um, I think so. Um, I think with, you know, um, I was able to be who I am and, and early on in there, um, I saw some things, you know, the early, early day in Cummins wasn't, you know, this, you know, it was still kind of the old school mentality for a little while. Um, I think what made it click finally for myself and for them is it doesn't have to be this way. And I am, one of those outspoken guys that will get myself in trouble from time to time because if you ask me what I think, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think, which gets me in trouble a lot <laughs> because if you don't want to know what I think, don't ask me. And so I, I spoke the truth, and I did not want to uh, – I'm not a yes man um, by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, I've, I've talked to dealers before I went to North Carolina when I worked for Hubert Vester Auto Group. Um, I told him, I said, if you want a yes man, do not hire me. I'm not that guy. And, but I think it, it definitely um, developed me. Josh Cummins is probably doesn't get enough credit for what he did in my, my life and, and Glenn sometimes um, because, you know, we were out there, but Josh held, held us accountable. He always told us we were C minus students. When we were doing extremely well, we were selling six, seven, eight hundred cars a month. He said, guys, you are C plus maybe students. Um, and right before <laughs> I left, he said, man, I'm going to give you an A minus. But he, <laughs> he cultivated this culture. Um, and, right. and we kind of helped. And when I saw things that I felt that weren't in the best interest for our, our salespeople's sake, um, I was the voice of reasoning. 
And I was given that voice and ability to give that voice because I felt confident. We all, it wasn't a my way or the highway type of scenario there. Right. Which is what a lot of dealerships fail. It's either do this my way or get out. But you've been doing it your way for, let's say, 15 years, five years, two years, and it hasn't worked. Maybe, maybe your way isn't the right way. Right. And a lot of times it's hard to tell somebody that because they've done it for so long. Yeah. Th- this concept of my way or the highway is so antiquated because in order, in order for me to say my way or the highway, effectively what I'm saying is that I have also implemented all the checks and balances and analyzed them proportionate to my way in order to even know if my way worked or not. Like, I, I hope... <laughs> Did that even make any sense? It made sense in my brain, but, but how, and, and did you get a certificate saying that your way was the right best way? You're, you're telling me you have nothing else to learn. Mm-hmm. And so I guess this is where I want to steer the conversation because obviously 2020 happened. I'm sick of talking about 2020. And I say this with all the love <laughs> in my heart is. because 2020 in so many ways has been the best year of my life. Like, I don't, I, I'm sorry if you, it wasn't for you, uh, for the listener, but this has actually been the best year of my life. Why? Predicated upon my mindset primarily. I've learned how to do things this year, uh, Josh, that I would have never figured out to do, how to do. And those things get to go with me for the rest of my life. So 50 years from now or 30 years from now, when my grandkids are like, how, how'd pop pop learn how to make awesome Chinese food like this? We're going to be like pandemic. How, how, where, where'd you learn how to fix your motorcycle like that? Pandemic. Who made this furniture? Pop, pop. How do you learn how to do that? Pandemic. He's so scrappy and resourceful. Where'd that come from? Pandemic. And then before that recession, like you said, you know, worst recession we've seen. And so this has been the best year of my life. Now, having said that, I guess here's my point on the tail end of that tangent for a minute. Um, This year forced all of us, it leveled the playing field and it forced us to understand that things need to be different. And so my worry is, and I would love you to give me the peace of mind, but, but my worry is, so we adjusted in some ways, maybe by adopting remote retail solutions or maybe by changing our sales process a little bit. And my worry is that we take those signals and think that we just prepared ourselves to go into 2021 and beyond, not realizing that you still didn't actually do anything like it. I know that can sound really wrong. So I want to, I want to get your take on it. I mean, obviously in the, in, in the years since 2011, you've made some observations. One of your gripes, it sounds like, and I'm with you is my way or the highway. It's super antiquated, but I guess two parts to this question. What are some other things you've seen that need to go? And then let's move on to some of the solutions and things that you've seen work well or that the listener can take back and say, I'm going to try that out. I think with, um, uh, you know, and I don't think there is such thing as a work-life balance. I just, I don't, you know, I'm one of those, you know, uh, haters on that whole concept like it exists. (laughs) I think there's seasons of your life that create um, 
that you have to go all in. And then there's sometimes that you can kind of back off a little bit, but I think for, for, we do have to look at our life balance inside of a dealership. And I think that's one thing that ticks me off the most is we have, we're a family dealership. I'm using quotations. Uh, we're a family owned dealership and we treat everybody like family yet. Um, we fire quick that, 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 that has no reason, no merit to fire someone for no reason just because he showed up a few minutes late. So we don't treat people like family. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we'd like to fire some family. But, and we don't, we don't have a balance for where um, someone can have an out, outside life from our industry. It is a bell to bell, work eight to eight, Monday through sometimes Monday through Saturday. Some dealerships are open on Sundays. And so it's just constant grind and beat you up. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's the big thing that um, if we want more people in our industry, if you want to use the dirty word, which is the one word that I hate probably just as much as 2020, but millennial, <laughs> if we want to get the younger group into our industry, we have to look at different ways of doing things. And, you know, there's a lot of dealerships that found out that, you know, they could have their BDC work remote, that they didn't have to be at the dealership. And now all of a sudden they're like thinking, well, we didn't have space for 25 reps, but now we technically do. So we can do something different. Um, but just not, the, there's a line in the sand that what kills me all the time is this is the way we've done things. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to treat people. And the big thing is, is if you want to keep people, train them. Like that's another thing. You, you promote a guy to a floor leader or floor manager and you wonder why in a month he doesn't know how to be a floor manager because you never freaking spent the time to tell him how to be a floor manager. He's been a sales guy all his two and a half years, one year, six months, three days. I don't know how long he was a sales manager, but then you throw him into the, to the sales manager role or the floor manager role and you don't understand why he doesn't get it. Well, dude, we have to invest in our people. That's, that's what kills me with our industry. We have no training plan. We, we throw them into the wolves and wonder why they can't make outbound calls and they can't call customers. Like, did you never train them? And so I know I'm going on a tangent on that side of things, but it's like no, but- we have this industry that we want you to work 65 hours a week. We're going to do the minimal training that we possibly can. I mean, freaking McDonald's does a better training plan on how to make the the, the Big Mac than we do on how to sell a sixty seventy eighty thousand dollar car, and then we want you to and we're just going to throw you to the wolves and we don't have a plan yeah. on what's the end game. I think of real world examples where if I if I shared a real world example like, hey, um, what do you think your kids would be like if you didn't teach them to walk? And you go, that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then in the exactly. industry, the disconnect is we have way too many sports references and way too many pseudo military references that I think too many quote unquote leaders in this space and in many industries are like, well, I expect you to already know how to do these things before you get here, soldier. I ain't a babysitter. No, actually you are. Yeah. <laughs> Like actually you are and you're, and, and you just expect them. 
you know, I, I got to give props to my team. Um, um, my director of operations, Briar, like our onboarding for new team members is infinitely better than when I was the guy that they depended on. I knew of myself, I was not good, but, but, but to your point, I see how much work actually goes into getting somebody up to speed and planting them in soil worthy of growth that I am deeply, I don't consider what you're saying a tangent. I think this is something that we need to absolutely be focused on in 2021 because it comes, it boils down to, well, if you're not going to train your people, who will? And are you, and, and are you expecting them to figure it out on their own? Then you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, it's the biggest thing, like, you know, there are very few, and I'm not being, I am being a little cocky here, a little confident. There's not a lot of me's out there. There's not a lot of Michael's out there. There's not a lot of people that will, that, that find their niche and just go all in and learn everything there is to learn about it and, and teach themselves and, and learn to fail and, and to move forward and, and to test and learn, test and learn, test and learn, test and learn. There's, that's just not, if that was everybody, then we would be so much better off in our world. Right. That's not the case. And so you have to, A, be careful who you hire, and then understand that it's going to take the time. You're going to have to to move forward with these people. Like when I was running, you know, you know BDC, um, there's a lot that goes into that job. And you don't think about it when you're doing it. Like I got thrown to the wolves when I was at Dan Cummins. Like when I first right. got an internet department, it was like, there's your computer. <laughs> it turns on phone ring. Lead comes in. You answer. That's it. Right. Okay. It was, I, I didn't get a lot of training at the very beginning. And, but when you start realizing how many things, how many different components, how many different softwares that you use, the CRM, you know, all the different little tools that you use and you one day look up and you're like, holy shit, mm-hmm. there is so much involved in this job, so much that most people don't even look at. And so when I developed my training plan, I mean, I have a, I mean, it's an inch thick day by day, 14 days, I mean, hour by hour training just to onboard someone. Wow. So you know, it's, but I've taken, that took time. That took hours. Um, and it took a lot of mistakes. So, you know, when, whenever I, I handed that book out, cause I've handed that book out to anybody and everybody who wants it. Um, like I said, I'm here to share, I'm here to change, uh, people's lives and help them. But you know, when, when that, that's years of mistakes. Yeah. Years of mistakes that I now can hand over to people and say, Hey, this is the right way. I'm continually making mistakes. I'm continually changing this, but it's by, it's by those mistakes that I've been able to um, provide that information to any rep that I hire now or anybody who I, I consult with now. It's all about like, here's the playbook and here's how this actually works. And I'm making changes. And when I make changes, I just, I try to, I, I look at every way to fail so I can learn from it and then move forward a little bit. I always love, this concept because the only reason you and I are talking to each other, the way we're talking to each other through the devices in which we are speaking is because people failed. And now all of a sudden, I mean, it's been failure upon failure since the dawn of human, of humankind. 
And now all of a sudden it gets to us and we're all afraid to fail. Yeah. Well, how's that going to screw up people a hundred years from now? <laughs> and we're just going to be blobs of nothingness that don't care about anything and have no emotional response to anything because we were too afraid. You know, it all started with this group all of a sudden in the year 2020 and beyond that we're afraid to fail. Everybody fails. And, and also I love what you're talking about. There's, there's a couple of things here. You're demonstrating that, and this is a plague for all people. At times, I'm the same way. I'm never fully on. I'm never, you know, 10X. I'm never fully that way. <laughs> but the one thing that I do hope for, Josh, is that I'm not myopic. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm causing myself or having checks and balances that I can see further down the road. And that's what I'm picking up from you. It, it's, a, it's a testament to leadership, but also the fact that you're not myopic. You're, you're saying, hey, I got to assemble things into a workbook. I need my wisdom from experience to be, to make other people super wise. Mm -hmm. And so do you recommend, I'm thinking about, okay, so we know there are, are challenges. We know that this still plagues the industry, lack of training, lack of culture. What's the starting point for those that are, cause I mean, we're, we're headed into a new year, right? This is going to air in December of 2020. We're sick of this year. We're done with it. Everybody's thinking about how can I make 2021 a better year? Uh, and maybe they're going to listen, you know, people 10 years from now are going to be listening to this episode in a December of whatever year. And they're going to be like, how do I make the following year a better year? What's the, what's the stop motion in your opinion? What is something that the listener can start doing to, to start to steer the ship in a different direction or perhaps right the ship? Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's taking that moment to yourself, take a deep breath and realize <laughs> right. Other people have been here. Right. I'm not, I'm not special by any means because um, I'm in this moment. And you can't, you, you can't, have, you can't, I have six kids, so I can say this. There's no such thing as, Wait a as half pregnant. Pause, pause, pause. You have six kids? I have six kids. Just drop that bomb right there on you. And you're 38? Yes. And your oldest is how old? Uh, my, my, my oldest is 21. What in the Sam? You are a young dad. Yes. So wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me do. 16. You had your first kid at 16? Yeah. Whoa. I got all sorts of questions, but they have nothing oh, to do yeah. with the automotive I, yeah, industry. Yeah, I went from, you know, I have, I have a 21-year-old all the way down to a two-year-old. I have five boys, one girl. The girl's the oldest. Hold on. Yeah, I, insanity. I, I love family, but I, I feel like we need one of these. Where is it? Because there's poopy diapers still going on, right? Yeah. Holy jeez. Six kids. Um, do you think... Now, okay, I do. I, I have to ask this now. Besides the fact that I'm shocked that after having a child at 16, you wanted any more kids. So there, there's a testament to <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the very real beating heart in your chest. Um, and hopefully that doesn't sound demeaning. I, you know, oh, no. to reach their own, I have zero judgment or anything about that. I think that, but wow, young, young dad, and you still wanted to have five more. Um, and kudos to your wife. I mean, what an what an amazing person your wife must be. So, 
here's my question. Do you think your outlook on culture, on family-owned businesses that don't follow through with that promise or that title or that badge of honor, is that somehow, and your leadership philosophy, has that been shaped because first and foremost, you are a leader in your home? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think for me, it, it, it stems down to, um, I had to, I had, there is no, there was no backup plan. Like I had to get after it. You know, that's, that's, you know, what I'm not saying that I had it different from anybody else, but you know, I had a grandmother who, who found out that my girlfriend at the time was pregnant and she said, you've ruined your life and you're never going to amount to anything. Hmm. Okay. You know, that sticks with a 16 year old right to this day. Yeah. Um, did that light and a so fire in you didn't or have resentment this. or how, how did you, what was your response as a result of that? Like, did it jack you up and fire you up and say, no, I'm going to prove you wrong or. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, watch me. Mm. That's how I've always been in a lot of different ways. Like you say, this can't be done. Watch me. Yeah. You say, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, be the first person to have this, this closing percentage or this, whatever. Watch me. Um, it fuels me. Um, maybe it's cause I'm crazy in some way but that fuels me. And that fueled me because I had no backup plan. I had no backup plan. There is no way of having a backup plan at that point. Right. And so you just, you push forward and there's a lot of people that could have, you know, for a lot of people, you know, I grew up in Kentucky, uh, for a lot of people that happens and, and they sit there and they do let it change their lives forever. And, and they go backwards and they, they just kind of become that statistic of teenage father, poverty. Right. They let that happen. Sure. And um, for me, I, it just wasn't going to be the case. Um, I was going to push as hard as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. That's the, my grandfather, which was a you know, farmer uh, from Kentucky. That was, you know, for me. That's what pushed me, that motivated me, is that I know that I can, and I know that I will. And um, for those of the people who were the haters or the, and I hate that 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 standpoint, but the haters and the, the doubters and everything like right. that, yeah, watch me. Yeah, I and, call and them dream stealers. So, what'd you say? I, I said, I call, I call them dream stealers. Dream stealers, oh yeah. Oh, that's going to be hard. Oh, I don't think you have you thought about that, though. You know what I love about this, though, man? Like I first and foremost for for the DPB gang, I had no clue that humdinger <laughs> was going to drop down through the pipes. And I am fascinated about it because I believe as a family man. That. How can I be a leader for my team? If first and foremost, I am not a good leader in my home. Mm -hmm. So that's why I asked that question. But I love this story of yours because you know what it says to me? It's validation, whether it's in your personal life or if it's in the retail car business or wherever you are, that the mold is what you want it to be. And you don't have to live according to some fixed belief of like what you were saying, 
16 year old father, you know, teenage dad equals poverty equals low income job equal. No, it can be what you want it to be. So maybe you're listening to this and you got into the car business because you were just in prison for eight months. Hey, and this can be actually a place that whatever you want it to be, this can help propel you. And if you don't believe, look at guys like Josh, look at guys like Grant Cardone, look at guys like Glenn Lundy, look at, there's so many examples of individuals that said, no, that that's not the way it's going to be for me. I'm going to do something with this. I think Mm -hmm. that's tremendous. Um, Second question on that point, and then we'll, we'll move on Uh, (laughs) because now I'm curious. It, See, there, there's five kids in in our my family. Not, I don't have five kids. I have three kids, but I've grown up. I have four siblings, all girls. I'm the only boy. And to this day, my my father still calls me sweetheart, just because he's he's got four girls, so he's used to just saying sweetheart. <laughs> but he also. Go cycles through everybody's names, all of my sister's names before he gets. So he'll be like, hey, uh, Steph or Lisa or Katie or uh, Amy, uh, Michael, Michael, Michael. And I'm like, I'm literally the only dude in the family. (laughs) Stephanie does not sound like Michael. Lisa does not sound like Michael. Why did you, uh, Lisa or uh, Amy, uh, do you? Six kids. I mean, I have to know. Did you either a name them like uh, George Foreman, where it's like Josh, Joshy, Joshua, Joshina, <laughs> and or if no, do you have to cycle through their names like that? Like, how do you keep oh, track man. of the names of six kids? Man? I can't. You know, that's one of those things where, yes, <laughs> I've cycled through their names and they're like you there, <laughs> child sitting on the back of the sofa. Yeah, it's it's funny because we were on our way. We were gonna do a little shopping a little earlier, and uh, you know, I made fun of. It's like, hey, hey, boy, like uh, from Bird Box. I'm just gonna name them boy and girl, right? Um, but, yeah, so I mean, that, that happens for you know, we we cycle through their names, and then you finally get to the one that you needed to get to. Um, they're looking at you by. like, my, yeah, my seventeen year olds looking at me like, did you forget my name? Like, no, I'll get to you eventually. Don't you worry about it. And you know, the tough thing is you can't even be like you, the one who smelleth like poo poo in pants. Cause I mean, you got teenagers, you got mid, you got, they all smell the same. So (laughs) very, very true. You're like just different versions. Like that smells like a, the inside of a hockey glove. That one over there smells like diaper. That one's over there. smells like they haven't brushed their teeth in 14 years. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, on and on we go. Oh, man, family life. I love it, though, man, because it gives a deep, you know, for me, the reason I inquire is because of that fact. Leadership in home, culture in home. I think that is what makes us or can contribute in a in an impactful way at making us better at, we do, at what we do in this industry. This does not have to be a cutthroat industry. It can be a family-oriented industry. It can have good culture. It can help people grow. And I just love that that's your mission and that you feel kind of that inner calling to, to be able to do that and to share. Um, I, I, I have some, honestly, I'm, I'm so caught off guard. I have so many more questions that I want to ask you, but I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but I do want to turn it over to you because I know you've got your podcast, you've got BDC raw. Tell me a little bit about that. And then how can those listening get in touch with you? 
So BDC Raw is, you know, it's kind of a podcast and it's an event. Um, the event was supposed to happen March 23rd, 2020. You didn't want to talk about 2020 anymore, but, uh, you know, COVID and the world shutting down <laughs> changed everything. Yeah. And so we've kind of positioned that uh, holding off until, um, you know, probably late or early, mid-2021. We'll, we'll actually throw that event on. You know, i got Lundy speaking there. Nice. There's going to be a, a, a slew of speakers um, and it's a one-day event for BDC reps, directors, internet sales guys, internet directors, sales managers, GMs, anybody. Discuss everything that a business development center is dealing with and what we need to to propel ourselves forward. Um, I have the podcast from my uh, BDC Raw podcast uh, that I talk about. Um, all the issues, and I am a f bomb guy, and I am a uh, uh, one of the guys that just speaks from the heart, and I never sugarcoat anything. And so that's kind of been my thing um, for a number of years. I'm never going to censor myself. If I feel this way, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think is going on and how you can fix it. Um, and you know, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can, which at at one point you'll be listening to this, and Facebook and Instagram will be two separate companies. All <laughs> right, I, yes, yes, <laughs> right, dude. And, they, they're uh, getting the one-two punch. Yes, they are. And, and you know what? Uh, Wait, you can email me. Let me let What's me that? ask you before you drop your email. How do you feel about that? Because there's a little bit of elation in me to to that effect. Like I think it's actually a good thing that they're being held accountable. Oh yeah. Definitely. It's, you know, I knew this was going to happen. Um, they were they're just getting too big for, you know, as they say in Kentucky, they're just getting too big for their britches. Yeah. Um, there you go. There's a, yeah, there's the a government nice turned around and dropped a hot brown on their face. Oh, the hot brown. <laughs> it's a great dish, too. Oh, man. Boy, I saw that episode with you and Glenn. The but, yeah, brown. I mean, it's uh, it's about time that, I mean, it's going to hold them accountable. I think it is, as a marketing standpoint, Um it's going to be there's there's a lot of good things that could come from that um, for those that have been marketing on both platforms. Right. Um, it's going to be a little bit interesting to go down that path, but I think yeah, I mean it's you you can't you can't get too big before you you know you realize that you're a monopoly on social media. Yeah. And eventually, totally. the government has to set in. Yeah. Crazy. And how do we get in touch with you via email? Uh, you can email me at uh, auto disruptor at gmail um and then if you are in the states i'll even give out my personal cell phone you can call me 859-421-9377 i welcome that if you text me obviously i'll get back to you right quicker Uh, but if you ever have any questions on business development internet um if you're in a slump whatever it is I'm, i'm always here to help if you ever need any templates or anything like that i'm your guy um, I give all my stuff out for free for now. One day there'll be the BDC Raw uh, a business, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'll start charging for it. But until then, you can you can get those for free. Man, awesome, Joshua Mitchell, Auto Disruptor, founder of BDC Raw. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. 
If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.